0: Hey, all right, and welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation about music, and our conversation this week is with Lucy Dacus. Well, you look at that delightful conversation to share with you all this week. Hope this is finding everyone well, wherever you are. We're starting to bring things into a mild state of disrepair over here at the new Better Yet HQ, my new home in Valparaiso, Indiana. We still have a lot of work to do as we all listen to my voice bounce off every wall in this room, every brown wall in this room. (laughs) We've been in this house. Two weeks now, it's coming together. Life has a very different speed right now. Going from Chicago to now living in Valparaiso. I've been driving a lot today. I drove to Coots, Indiana. Google said it's Couts. It's Coots. I drove to Coots, Indiana, and I bought this palette of power tools. I won them at an estate auction. I've replaced Twitter with looking at uh, estate sales and estate auctions. I have the jackpot on this one. I get this pallet. It's filled with power tools. I paid like $9 for this thing. There's 10 circular saws on it. There's two chainsaws. And then there's a bunch of other shit that I don't know what it is, but I know that I I put them all on the back of the car and I don't know if any of them work, but if two of them do, then what a trip it was to Coots. I'm going back tomorrow actually this was a this was a two-day estate auction. I bought some other shit. I bought a tape machine um, yeah, I'm gonna start doing this podcast to tape. I've been feeling a lot of good creative energy though I was hoping that like I I was feeling good in Chicago and I was hoping that it would continue out here. I've been painting a lot, which has been very relaxing. Um, a year, about a year ago today, Jamie and I were in Thailand. I painted this nice, uh, landscape thing based off of a picture that we took when we were out there, uh, went into the kitchen and then, uh, Lily comes out. She's got, she's got the entire bottom half of my beautiful landscape is just on her chin. She ate it, and well, she's fine, but she ate it. This podcast has a Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. The revenue from our Patreon is split equally each month between the show, our guests, and organizations chosen by our guests. If you pledge to our Patreon, this week you will be supporting Better Yet, and you'll be supporting Lucy. We are a podcast that pays our guests for their time. You can pledge $3 a month, like you're leaving us a tip, or you can pledge $10 a month, which will gain you access to exclusive content from me and from our guests this week. I was finally able to share a conversation I had with Bob Vielma, friend of the show. Bob played in Shinobu, Diners, he operates Fat and Funky Records. Bob is from San Jose and has been part of the punk scene out there for years. And we talked about a lot of the great punk bands that have come from that part of the country that have been totally overlooked. Bands like Summer Vacation, The Exquisites, very fun conversation. We've also got an upcoming interview with Matt Allison, producer of the Lawrence Arms, Alkaline Trios for Your Lungs Only EP, and the uh, other record that they did right after that. Matt's a legend, so naturally we did not talk about any of that shit. He came on to talk exclusively about the Kennedy assassination. This guy... He knows it all. It's Libra season. That's what we're talking about over on Patreon. We've also got, as a treat for us this week, Lucy Dacus giving us a playlist of all of the crucial punk jams that she grew up on. Lucy and I talked a lot about her punk past for the Laura Stevenson podcast. We talk about it this week. You can hear that playlist over at Patreon. Patreon.com. Better Yet Podcast proceeds from that Patreon will go to Lucy, and this week we're sending money to the BTFA Collective. BTFA stands for Black Trans Femmes in the Arts. BTFA Collective is an organization that works to connect the community of black trans women and non-binary femmes in the arts. Happy to be sending some money their way and happy to share this conversation between me and Lucy Dacus. We had some audio issues the first 10 minutes or so. They're a little choppy, but we fixed what we could in post. You know. You can subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player of choice. Tell a friend. Head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. Here's me and Lucy
1: Davis. The first time I tasted somebody else's spit, I had a coughing fit. I mistakenly called them by your name. I was let down. It wasn't the same. I feel like chopping
0: wood, that like would make oh, me feel really useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going around to estate sales, buying people's old saws. Wow. Matters. Yeah. And then just listening to, to freaking that Jillian Welch record, Mm -hmm. Because it's, like, it's so timeless and also just, like, very, very succinct to a point.
1: Yeah. I feel like no word is misplaced on that record. And, like, in general, she writes so concisely. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know, I feel like she's cunning. Like, I feel like her her writing is clever and... Yeah. I I feel like she's a modern great. But I think I'm not the first person
0: to say that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, she like she's got the she's got lines that just like really knock you over. The that April 14th song just ends with the great emancipator took a bullet in the back of the head.
1: Yeah. Like, who would write that. She writes stuff that I couldn't think of. That's a thing that in general I really like songwriters that I'm like I could simply not do that.
0: Yeah, right? Like what? Where? How? I'm sure I'm sure the things like come out of your head though that you're just like what was that? Where did that come from?
1: Almost every time I'm just like what? Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I don't have, like over writing like it just kind of Comes out like sneezing or something. <laughs> walking around the other day, and I was just like singing this verse to myself, and it had the words Bildungsroman Roman, and insidious." And I was like, I can't sing this. <laughs> That's too many syllables. Um,
0: you gotta it, keep buildings, Roman, in.
1: Yeah, how many syllables is it? Buildings, Roman, four syllables. I feel like. I could make it work.
0: <laughs> yeah. My my move with uh, with Jillian sometimes is is listening to that whole record. But then sometimes I just do like the EP version where it's like the first track, that April 14th song, and then those last two songs. Mm-hmm. I dream a highway, like 14 and a half minutes, just the same.
1: i been it on planes a lot. And I haven't been on a plane in like, you know, since March. Yeah. But I listen to it on the plane, and it calms me down. I have like specific records that I listen to on planes that help me out, like the Haley Hendrix record. At any time, it's my catch-all record. Um, Grouper on the plane.
0: Grouper on the plane sounds like a like a journey.
1: Mm-hmm. It's really. uh, yeah, it's just really calming. It makes everything feel like it slows down and I don't know, I can really kind of like dissociate in the good way.
0: Yeah. So, um one thing I like to to do when we start these things is just to kind of get like a vibe check going. How how's your day? How's your week like how are you kind of existing in the current?
1: okay vibe check um i'm doing okay um my family's been going through some health issues so with them um and that hasn't been very great but i'm glad to have been around even from a distance Um, and things are kind of turning up it seems uh yeah so kind of like stressful i have been crying a lot which is like kind of a thing that i come in and out of where i'll go like many months without crying and then i'll go like every two hours for a week crying and it's not a bad feeling it's it's honestly more relief than anything um but i've been able to notice it more in quarantine just because there's not much else to notice Mm -hmm. notice way more about like how i act because i have no distractions i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people to like i don't know unburying like old trauma and like realizing that they have depression and yeah ultimately that's all good right so it kind Mm. of but probably good
0: yeah yeah it's probably good do you you keep that perspective when you're within like it's probably good it's probably good
1: yeah i i'm like really quick to do stuff like that like be like i'm suffering and it's for a reason Mm -hmm. or like i i'm comforted by the sort of like tangential good and something bad yeah Um, but yeah i also just kind of want to be better of like resting in badness because sometimes you can't like see what's good and I think it's a skill to be able to just like let yourself be defeated for a second
0: Mm
1: -hmm. rest in your defeat like feel it fully so that's something I've been practicing too is just like kind of lean into what usually I would think is like dramatic I Uh know it's embarrassing to just like lay down and cry
0: (laughs) yeah
1: but I think it's good and it's not embarrassing because everybody's got to do it. And also if you don't do it, it's going to come back in some other form that's like less uh, or more complicated.
0: Yeah. Whenever you, whenever you put layers on top of layers, but I, I, I know what you mean where you're it's like, you're in there and it's scary. And, uh, you want to get out quickly, but when you get out quickly, you kind of don't really like if you think about it like a room, you don't uh, you don't really get a full uh, full scope of like what the actual room is like before you get out. You might like look over and see something that's like, "Oh well, while I'm here, like maybe maybe there's some shit to discuss.
1: Yeah, you don't want to do a rush job on being sad like that just doesn't work I feel like has that ever worked for anyone
0: no (laughs) truly so what do you what do you think helps you kind of like hold that perspective
1: I don't know sometimes I don't um like I feel that way right now because I have perspective And I think just knowing over time what it feels like to be down and then how inexplicably you get out of it again, just knowing like, Oh, that happened before it probably will happen again. Mm -hmm. You just have to wait. And, um, there are like little things that help. Um, like I just take on a new hobby when I'm really depressed. Yeah. Even if I only do it for as long as it takes to forget that I am feeling depressed, then that's great. Um, like, during quarantine, I've started kayaking. I do, like, watercolors. I uh, have been knitting a bunch. Yeah. I've got, I've been typing up my old journals. Um,
0: oh, nice. Yeah, that has been a trip. So how old are these journals?
1: Well, the oldest one is when I was, like, eight, I think. They're all actually... <laughs> wow. That entire shelf is my journals, behind. Wow. Um, but they go yeah from when I was eight, and then basically from like sixth grade onward, I was like a regular journaler. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I'll, sometimes I'll go like a month without writing, but it's usually like once a week I'll do a deep. Hmm. Word barf. That's how it feels. It's like just scribbling furiously, like not finding out what I'm going to say until it's on the page. I'm in like <laughs> high school right now and it's really tricky. Place. Yeah.
0: Tell me what's going on in the journals right now.
1: Um, I like have just started to date the person that I ended up dating on and off for like five years. Uh-huh. And it's bad from the beginning. Like, oh, no know it i hate to see it be like dang i was so blind yeah it's the person that night shift is about <laughs> and I'm Like, oh and i, I have no regrets because like clearly what's the point kind of it. um but yeah i'm just like i was like, such a kid and i just like wanted to have i was like in high school i was like i should have a relationship
0: Like
1: uh-huh. like flirtatious things with people that are like kind of weird and I want like just a straight up partner and that's not a good place to come from when it comes to like love
0: (laughs) like definitely
1: bad and uh yeah it makes me worried about what I don't see right now because Mm -hmm. I was literally writing it and I couldn't even see what was going on you know like I feel like I my judgment the more I read the journals, the more of an idiot, I feel like. <laughs> um, oh. Like not, again, I say that and I'm not, it doesn't feel bad to say, I feel like it's humbling to realize like that you're a little bit of an idiot. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I say it with levity. Um,
0: yeah. huh. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's what's going on. And I'm just, I think, starting to like write songs for the first time. So that's kind of cool.
0: That's amazing. Yeah
1: like how little went into that decision like I uh-huh. had I didn't want to be a, a musician and like yeah I have no idea how I started writing songs really I think the most I could say is that my first love went to college and started dating a poet and I wanted to be as cool as her so I started writing poetry uh-huh. I guess songs too
0: Just yeah
1: yeah not- <laughs> girl but yeah she's very cool i like and i'm cool with her
0: Uh uh-huh yeah there's like the um i feel like the those those types of crushes are the ones that are just like impossible like it's almost like you know your cool older friend that you're just never you're never gonna be quite as cool but uh you kind of do a lot of mimicking
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it was I guess like ultimately it was inspiring like the the jealousy and it wasn't like intense jealousy it was just like curiosity Mm -hmm. about like how I measured up against someone and I think that a different word for that is like yeah inspiration or like a mentor even though she didn't mentor me at all um but like learning from somebody else's work I don't know i I don't think that she has any clue that like that was meaningful to me at all. We like don't talk um but yeah, I just wanted to measure up,
0: yeah, I think that's that's like one of those things that's like very high school, but it's also I think something that I still find like consistently. They're just like people that come into your life and they influence you in a way that's just like,, Man, I just want to be that everything Mm -hmm. you adapt a little bit yeah i feel like you're copying it might feel obvious but not necessarily
1: i feel like i've never copied somebody in terms of like style or content but i try to like walk the same path as people to see if i can
0: yeah you know Yeah,
1: yeah um like structurally like oh this person wrote a three-page poem what if i wrote a three-page poem or Uh this person wrote a one-minute song what if i write a one-minute song um so it's more about like the shape or like the assignment Mm -hmm. there's no like teacher assigning you to do art once you're not in school right so just like watching other people for assignments is one way to get them
0: Hmm. I tell you what. There's a fourteen and a half minute song that ends. Time the rel- the Revelator. One so, mm-hmm. so chord progression. I I think that you could try and you could try and do that. Or yeah. Cover it. I
1: did recently write an eight and a half minute song, so oh, yes. I'm working up to it. I always love long songs though. Like Night Shift is like seven minutes or something. Yeah. Truth is Map on a the Wall. They're all like seven minutes, and that's like not really for a reason other than I didn't get to the point yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when people write a one minute song and they said something in it, I'm like, wow, that takes such skill. Uh, Cause sometimes it takes me seven minutes to get to the point.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that like the night shift is such a wild example. Cause it's like it's the first song on your debut for matador. And it's a, it's, you know, releases a single. It's six and a half minutes long. That's, that's bold. I just liked it. Yeah. <laughs> the I, I
1: remember that I told it was our first time setting up a record with Matador and is like, I think this should be the first song. And they were like, well, I don't think like, uh, that's a very good idea. Mm-hmm. And then months later they were like, actually, you're right. <laughs> Which is like the best feeling when like, a group of like older established people Mm -hmm. tell you as a kid that you're right. Cause Mm -hmm. I was like, I guess 21 or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wild so much, so much happened for you so quickly, Mm -hmm. right? Cause you put out no burden and then all of a sudden there's, I mean, how, how many people are knocking at your door?
1: um yeah maybe like i think it was like 20 labels not all of them had like contracts in hand but Mm -hmm. um we put out i don't want to be funny anymore as a single and i guess my email was like on my facebook page and yeah i just got emails from like managers and agents and labels and like i had no idea that that was how that happened Mm -hmm. um Yeah. And it doesn't happen the same for everybody, but I was like completely overwhelmed and uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) did not know what to do. I was like, this is cool. And also not what I was expecting. And like, I have a nine to five that I like, Uh Um, but I guess that like, I'm, I'm glad that it happened. And also that I'm past that point. Like I don't relish that kind of like fighting people fighting over me vibe that's like i know some people think that that would be really great but it's it's just not
0: well i mean so coming from the perspective of i don't want to be funny anymore um and it's funny that you know we were talking about your your old journals because i i feel a very strong like connection to just like the way you describe yourself in that song is I think a very identifiable place, most especially in like a high school setting where everything is about groups and you're, you're, you're the funny one um, that the position that you find yourself in when you have all these people paying attention to you, to you and you're just like, Oh damn. Like I'm, I'm trying to like just be taken more seriously within like my, my group of 12 or 15 people.
1: It's also like a responsibility for everyone else's happiness. Like people just turn to you to like make light of something or mm-hmm. like have a good time. I like wasn't even that funny and that sounds about middle school. <laughs> yeah. I realize now that like maybe people just laughed at me. <laughs> like oh. I was in this group of I was in this group of girls that we were both were both we were all like two years ahead in math. So we were in the same like math class Uh and all of them danced together and they were all like short and skinny and someone would text like the color that we would wear that day. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, I don't know who came up with that. It must've been on TV. Mm -hmm. One of us must've seen like mean girls before the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And, Yeah, I, like, really wanted to be part of that group because there was some sort of, like, safety afforded Mm -hmm. by that. Like, but then within it, they would always call me, like, the quirky one because I was taller than them Mm -hmm. and I was heavier than them and, like, clumsier. And Mm -hmm. they would use me as their, like, go-between between between the boys. Like, I'm the one that, yeah like, connected them to their first Mm -hmm. boyfriends, which was, like, somebody that you'd sit next to. And, like, yeah. it was a big deal if you held hands in sixth grade. Like, what is a boyfriend in right. middle school? Um, but, yeah, like, that I, – I've realized that I thought I was the funny one because that's what people said. But I think I was just, like, sticking out a little bit.
0: Sure. Did you break up with all of those boys for your friends, too?
1: occasionally yeah yeah. or the guys would just text them or text me to tell them the guys would be like hey can you tell uh samantha that we're not dating anymore (laughs) because i'd be at the sleepover like oh my god samantha
0: yeah um oh jeez yeah (laughs) and you're you say in in uh in mother and i that you're an old soul. I think that there's something in, in that too, where there's like a, uh, I mean, I'm trying to give you a little bit more credit than you are give yourself. I think that you have uh, that sort of like self-assuredness that probably uh, people recognize and know that they can lean on you a little bit, but of the friends that I have who are like, those who are leaned on it's like the damn i wish someone would ask me about how i feel every once in a while
1: Mm -hmm. that's familiar yeah definitely (laughs) i mean i have friends that do that now but yeah even since like second grade for some reason i was like the dumping ground for secrets Mm -hmm. i loved it because i got to know everyone's secrets yeah um And that's, like, right about the age where you start to get a secret. You know, there's no reason to have a secret Mm -hmm. before then. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's hardly a reason in second grade. I I would have someone come up and be like, I have a crush on blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, okay, I won't tell anybody. And that was, like, my coveted role. But, yeah, it it definitely was, like, one way for a long time, even, like, through high school. um, I'd like to think I have, like, much – more give and take, like, adult relationships with
0: people now. Yeah.
1: Um, But also the old soul line, like, in ways, I guess that's true. Like, my family told it to me. But it was also sort of a weaponized, like, oh, you're an old soul from, like, older men when I was a teenager. Mm. Like, older guys trying to get with me or, like, date me and be like, yeah, you're an old soul. You know, you're different from people Mm. your age and, like, you understand me, and you're mature. Things like that. Um, it's, terrible. it's yeah, terrible. Watch out for that. Whoever is falling for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I I sent that song to to my sister. My sister is uh, significantly younger than me. She's adopted. Um, me too. Yeah, I I, I read that um, and. Her mom, my sister is is technically my cousin. Her mom, her mom passed away uh, about ten years ago, and I sent her that song. And there were there were many many things in there that uh, that I knew that she would take in. So I hope she's That's listening. Cool. Yeah, hello to your sister. <laughs> um. So tell me tell me a little bit about um about growing up in Richmond. Um and you, your mom you say when we talked for the Laura podcast that your mom was a theater director is that right?
1: Yeah, and she still does that. She's a elementary school music teacher and mm-hmm. pianist and musical theater director. The music side, not the like stage side. Mm-hmm. Um like I have very many memories of going to Virginia repertory theater and seeing her like peeking out of the pit, conducting people and just Uh being like, dang, she's so cool. Um, She still is very cool. But yeah. So that was like my major musical upbringing that and church. And Uh so I always get like nervous when people ask about influences, which happens like, most interviews people ask about influences, and the real answer is musical theater and Christian rock, which mm-hmm. neither of which I'm proud to say, yeah, <laughs> um, sure. and neither of which I feel like can be heard in my music,
0: uh-huh.
1: and neither of which I listen to anymore. Um, so yeah, I'm like maybe as confused as anybody would be about how I started to write, um, but. I guess the the common denominator between those two things is that the song has to serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to propel the plot in a musical or they have to inspire faith or, you know, propel the plot of God in the other one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they're both really um, functional. And I feel like I historically don't share a song unless I think it has like a purpose,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: Or like a conclusion to it, which isn't great. I'm trying to break out of that because I have so many friends that write songs that are just sort of like vignettes of life and those have a purpose too, even if it's not like a moral purpose.
0: Right. Well that's um I guess that's an interesting spot to find yourself in because you're you're undoing a lot of just the things that are ingrained in you. Because when you when you talk about Night shift being six and a half minutes long, you have to get to that point. The catharsis of that song is huge, and mm-hmm. it does take a while to get there because of all the all the building that to me seems like uh there's a there's a bit of uh of non pop music uh influence that's that's underneath all of that
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I also really just like love movies. And so I feel like pacing is something Mm -hmm. that I am aware of. And that's not like sonically, but like visual pacing. I feel like it carries over and I can hear like other songs and songwriters that I'm like, they probably love movies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cinematic writing. So are, and and you went to film school, right? So you were, yes, you're very passionate. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> you're going to film school. You got a nine to five. And then all of a sudden you got a, you got all these uh, people trying to get you to sign to their label and you're like, oh, well, Hey, no, I'm, I'm, I'm down with this life that i got going right now, but, but you ditched it. But what was your, um, all right. What, what did you, what did you want to do with film? Or I guess like what was your what was the thing that made you say oh I want to go to film school more than anything else?
1: I think it was a lack of decision because film contains everything. Yeah. Like film has music, film has performance, film has editing, film has visual art, film has costuming. It has uh location scouting um Mm -hmm. any of these things i would have loved uh organizing festivals that would have been cool um pretty much any job i was like i'll just land somewhere that i like as long as i like the movie
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um but then i realized that i probably won't like the movie (laughs) like it's like i'm kind of shooting myself in the foot by only wanting to work on things that i believe in because so many early jobs are probably like problematic rom-coms and Mm -hmm. like um military propaganda and uh or even just like yeah movies that i think are really bad um i would have hated to contribute to art that i didn't believe in which Mm -hmm. um I think anybody could say that and also like a lot of people have to swallow their pride every day to continue to have jobs. So like, I don't know, I probably could have done it, you know, but I would have not liked it. And I would think I would have preferred to work at the photo lab that I was working at than work on a shitty movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Also the industry is just so messed up. Like I mean, the music industry has its faults for sure, but I feel like the movie industry is even worse. And beyond that, like, we were... I, I live with a group of musicians and people that work in music and we were talking about how the industry is bleak. And then I was like, it's also not the coal industry. <laughs> and it's, like, not, um, like, the... Yeah, military or the government. Like, it, we have... Room Industry. to do good. Or, like, our, our footprint in terms of, I guess, like, carbon footprint, literally, but also, like, our uh, kind of, like, impact on the world can actually be positive when, like, entire industries are fully bad. So, mm-hmm. I've been feeling, like, a little bit better just by thinking that other things are worse.
0: <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. That's just what you need. Yeah. We moved into this house and... It's uh you know, there there are a lot of uh things that we would do differently. And mm-hmm. I'm just freaking are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I look blue right now because there's no overhead light in here. Uh-huh. But having having so many wrong decisions, it's helpful to just be like, Oh, okay, I know what I want to do. That's great. Mm-hmm. You start with just a yes or no question. And then you can move ahead. So that, that is good. And I think that, that's good perspective too for, I mean, it's impossible to not feel it coming out of everybody right now, no matter what their uh, relationship is with music. If they're thinking about the music industry, it's not in positive terms. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah not to like rest on our laurels of like yeah well at least we're not them but yeah songs fuck like what could be better
1: yeah songs aren't so bad <laughs> i guess like out like i guess there is a lot of power in songs like i need to remember that too that like it's not just all fun and like it's not a leisure activity mm-hmm. um like songs shape people and also are weaponized and like useful or they take up space when they shouldn't. Like it, it really, I do feel like a lot of weight to what I make. And I think that that's okay to Mm. recognize that like what you're doing either like is going to be powerful or destructive or simply like taking up space, which is destructive.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, I think that no matter like what you're doing, that's good, but it's, you know, I think it's a, I feel like you're really good at putting up certain parameters for yourself for, you know, the song has to state something And also, like, it has to work towards something better. I think that's very good uh, thinking just for your job in general, Mm -hmm. how you're doing it. Um, So when you make no burden, Colin and and Jacob, they're hometown people, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Colin Pastor and Jacob Lizard, they were friends in middle school. I met them in high school. And when we just became friends, the way we hung out was make music. Like I'd write a song, Jacob would play instruments and Colin would get his laptop and like Mm -hmm. Mike in his bedroom. And we'd make songs like instead of going bowling or whatever. Yeah. Whatever friends do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And yeah, we're still doing it. And I've, you know, at this point met a lot of producers and engineers and i feel like i struck gold <laughs> like for real they're actually so good and we just like communicate really well or even like we communicate freely like sometimes we fight but it's necessary to mm-hmm. the record like i feel really comfortable being like no fuck that <laughs> or like <laughs> i feel and whenever they're like i don't know they they listen to me definitely like mm-hmm. they know that I'm a uh, ultimate boss, but uh, I don't know. We'll defend our ideas in a way that I think to someone else would seem combative, but it's just like within the microcosm of our team. It's just how we do things. Um, mm-hmm. And I've seen Colin work with other people and it doesn't get combative the way it does between us. But I, I actually like need that. Cause I need to be able to, if I have an idea, I want to be able to defend it. I feel Mm -hmm. like it sharpens the idea. Um, And I also don't want someone to just be a yes man to me. Um,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, they're both very talented people.
0: Yeah. The like, I think the constant challenge, especially if you have that relationship with someone where you, you know, they are comfortable with each other. You know, like what the purpose of the challenge is. Like, yeah, it's it's either. We got to do something different or no, we're a shirt are our feet are planted. Mm-hmm. I love. Um, well, before we get there, so you're when you start um, when you start playing, are you playing in? Richmond, are you playing in like the because uh, you were you grew up kind of going to punk and noise shows as mm-hmm. we've talked about? Were you playing your stuff there or were there? I don't know much about Richmond other than the punks. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, was there like a were there was there like an indie rock uh, community? I know you put that record out on Egg Hunt. It's a good label. Yeah.
1: I feel like there wasn't a huge indie rock community. There was like a math rock community Mm -hmm. and yeah, like punk and noise. Um, And there was sort of like a freak folk community. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like there were just houses and you'd have a show that had different genres. And like, I feel like it's a small enough city that there weren't so many like shows that were catering to one type of taste. Like mm-hmm. I play a show with my friend McKinley Dixon, who's a rapper. And then after me would be this band Navi, who was like a like kind of death grips esque mm-hmm. duo. Um, and I loved that. And like all that music is good or like, yeah, the Dharma bombs who are like a bluegrass ish band. Mm -hmm. they play the same show as like the trillions who are like a strokes inspired band. Um, yeah. And I, I worry that that isn't happening as much anymore. Um, because like, I don't know, there aren't really houses as much, um, and if there are, it might be the teens, like <laughs> there's some teens in basements somewhere that I don't know about. I hope that's happening. And I'm glad that I don't know about it because, um, I am not a teen and I simply shouldn't be there, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, that was, that was so formative and like, yeah, there's this house called Johnny cave, this house called Bauhaus, our house and, that was just like where I live. just like hopping between those houses and mm-hmm. before I played any shows. And then um, basically I had friends in bands that were like, you should play a show and would just like make me open for them to fill out a bill. Mm-hmm. And like, it was more of like doing a favor for those friends than about wanting to play a show. Right. <laughs> um, it was like kind of embarrassing to play shows at the beginning, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, sure. Cause are yeah. you just playing by yourself?
1: Yeah, and like I was, I was writing only what I could write with like a guitar and me and my thoughts and voice. Uh-huh. But I like wished I was a noise band. <laughs> like I wished I, <laughs> I wished I was cooler. I was like, I can tell. Like this is just what I'm, what I am able to do. Like this mm-hmm. is the true thing that I can make. But I can tell that it's just like not as cool as everyone that I think is cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. And at this point, I don't like care about that and I don't want to be a noise band and if I do want to be a noise band I can just make a song like that um (laughs) uh, yeah I don't feel very pinned down to any genre I mean genre should die like genre is dead and should die (laughs) it like serves nothing I mean maybe like genre is kind of a nostalgic thing at this point in my opinion
0: yeah, I think that there is, like, you do get those attachments of, like, uh, it's usually, like, historically based, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like, emo is, uh, we have a we have a fondness for that late 90s period. And, mm-hmm. But I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. And I want house shows to come back. they freaking better if I'm not going to be living in the city anymore. Right. I'm in a college town.
1: You got to host them. You're in a college town? Yeah, there's yeah. going to be house shows.
0: Yeah, that is a good idea. Let me run. Actually, my wife's down. She, we <laughs> should have shows here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, really. That's a great idea. Yeah, I thought of that, but I didn't think you would think of that.
1: Uh huh.
0: <laughs> That's cool. Um, but you, you you did lead me into something that I really wanted to talk about because reading a lot of press about historian, um one thing that I don't think you got enough credit for is the back half of that record is heavy. (laughs) True.
1: I wonder if I didn't
0: get credit for it or
1: people simply did not feel like talking about it.
0: (laughs) Well, I, I mean, you've got, you've got a great voice. You've got a great singing voice. And I mean, when you, when you were first playing and you, you talk about, you know, being, uh, it's a little embarrassing. It's just a guitar. It's just your voice. Did you have to find like comfort in the voice that you have? Cause it's so distinct, but it's so strong.
1: Yeah. I think that I, I mean, as a kid, I wished I sound like a musical theater person. So I could have been like more mm-hmm. involved in my mom's community. And honestly, like Christian stuff is very similar to musical theater. Um, mm-hmm. And so then, that, people would tell me like, "Oh, your voice is so like edgy,"
0: <laughs> yeah. which
1: I just don't think is true. Like, your voice is so—you should go on American Idol. Was oh. like the refrain. Oh. Like that was my place. If I couldn't do musicals, I should try out for American Idol. And mm-hmm. then I uh, would watch that and be like, "Okay, so they're still like belting and." I could never do that. It never felt like comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think I would sing like Adele or something, or like I would sing like pop voices that weren't, um, you know, Katy Perry, I wouldn't sing like her, but Mm -hmm. Adele, even like, Fergie, I feel like I would listen to like a lot of Fergie songs, like her low tempo Fergie songs. Okay, Um, and like any familiar with
0: the uh, (laughs) the lower tempo Fergie material, like "Big
1: Girls Don't Cry." That song, "Big Girls Don't
0: Cry." I don't. Okay, uh, (laughs) and and I I, I'm sorry that the that reply came off the way that it did. I I I don't like that. I don't like that attitude of like I don't even know. I just no. I it, feel like I, I'm. I don't have a TV. I haven't had uh-huh. a TV for like 15 years, at least mm-hmm. one that's like connected to like TV.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I don't know how people. I don't know how people are connected to anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was like my friend's parents' CD collections. Yeah, and like we'd listen to it and uh, like at sleepovers and like sing along and like mm-hmm. do basically impressions, I guess. And. um Yeah. Impressions, different pop people, Mm -hmm. uh, and do like, yeah. Karaoke from YouTube at some point. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, I think that like even no burden that's, that doesn't feel like my voice because we recorded that record in a day and Mm -hmm. it's the first time that I ever sang on top of a band. Yeah. Like even like, so like map and wall was like a single take full band take, uh and that's the first time i heard that song you wow. know like yeah. like that mhm and that's the recording and that's like cool that that exists yeah but i i can't listen back to no burden without being like oh no like <laughs> right uh i also feel like i sound a lot more southern which is kind of cute um huh. but yeah, like Colin would say, like, hey, like put some oomph into this because I was singing so quietly, and what he meant was like volume. But yeah. I thought he meant like sass.
0: Uh-huh. And so
1: there's some songs where I sound like sassy, uh, and I'm just like I listen back and I'm like, I really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, yeah. that was like that was day one of being a recording musician and that's my first record. And yeah, that's like badass, uh, dude. I know that that's
0: embarrassing <laughs> for you, but that's badass.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm happy that people like it, but it is weird to when I listen back I have a hard time just cuz I feel like a literal baby when yeah. I listen to my voice and it's weird that that's going to exist forever um without people knowing the context of it being like the first day that I sang over a band. Mhm. Um like it was some sort of like premeditated choice to have all that lilt and stuff. Like, right. I mean, I guess the fact is like, that's how I sounded that day. And that's Absolutely. like, and I, I am Southern and like, I have listened to like Southern music and like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I do feel better about how I sound on historian, but even that there's still, little annoying things it's weird to make something and it not be completely your own taste like i'm proud of it i have no perspective on it though right like if i would like it if i listen to it Mm -hmm. um my next record i do think i like it it's definitely like yeah i probably shouldn't talk about that too much but i (laughs) like i i feel best about this next record
0: That's good. That's the idea. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you got to You got to take stock in as, as I see your, your tooth tattoo. I mean, it's not just, it's not just that, uh, you know, 22 million people listen to night shift on Spotify, but you got, you got Julian and you got Phoebe, two of the two of the greats. They like you enough to be in a band with you that's true
1: (laughs) yeah it's that's been like the most growing thing I feel like we're all so redundant about this because people ask like what have you learned and it's always just like I've learned to accept myself and feel like emotionally held by my friends and Uh um it's all it all (laughs)
0: it's
1: yeah very um like corny but it's true I feel like I feel like a better person and writer and way more confidence because of them and through them. And I think all Mm -hmm. of us feel that same way where we're just like emboldened by each other. Um, And yeah, I think that I'm writing differently now because of like earlier how I said like someone wrote a three page poem, I should write one too. Mm -hmm. Like I see them just like rest in the despair. Like I talked about earlier too. And I'm uh-huh. I'm doing that more. Mm-hmm. Like I I feel more comfortable doing that. Like I don't have to be like a thumbs up, peppy, smiley at the end of the day person. Yeah. I fit my hot take is that like I don't really write sad songs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like No Burden Historian is like not that sad. Um, like there's emotional songs, but
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so I have like I'm actually starting to write sad. Songs and just let them be sad instead mm-hmm. of like instructive, um yeah, but yeah, I mean, I love them, both of them are too they're just like some of my favorite writers that exist.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's some stuff in there too that l- like Catchem Idaho that feels like a southern hymnal in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And I, I I I sort of like the way with that EP that you all kind of you took risks with it. That song is that song is definitely different and I, I would imagine there's a little bit of uh a little bit of power in that in that triad of just being like, yeah, let's let's do this. So the, like it's different.
1: Yeah. There were a couple moments where we were like, are we going to do this? Yes. Yeah. Like Julian's guitar solo on Salt in the Wound was mm-hmm. the moment where she's in the tracking room and we're both in the control room, like, like just raising our hands and like uh-huh. screaming at her, um, just doing like a butt rock solo. And yeah, just like whenever any of us go really high and like scream or whatever, we're all really quiet singers mm-hmm. usually. Um, yeah. it, it felt like it didn't feel like taking risks because it felt safe, you know? Mm -hmm. And like no one expected boy genius. So it's not like we had any expectation to contend with. We could just do whatever. Right. But yeah, I, and I think that each of us would want the other two to have fun. Like, Mm -hmm. whereas like I don't prioritize, like I personally need to have a lot of fun. I end up having a lot of fun. Um, but I like wanted them to, and they won. yeah. So we were just making each other laugh and that ended up being a lot of the sonic decisions or just things that made us laugh. That's
0: the, that's something that you feel big time on Mm -hmm. that EP. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I guess having listened to historian, pretty pretty heavily the past like week or so it's like one of those records that the it feels like the time like sort of aged into it and it reminded me a lot of that of that Jillian record too where it's just like there are there are certain things that happen that we steps that we all go through just to like as people that we're, were redundant, we sort of like repeat ourselves. We eventually, like, you know, things end, things fall apart. I guess, like, has I'm trying to put it into terms of just like everything that's like going on right now feels crazy. Everything that was going on fucking two years ago when that record came out feels crazy but um you know that that perspective that you have on that record i think is is very very informed that's why that old soul line like stuck out to me it's just like there's a i think there's a a longer vision happening on there you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean i my dad is somebody that has told me i had an old soul and he has said like, I could never write one of the songs that you've written. Like, how did you get to be wise? Like I'm your dad. (laughs) Like Uh you got more wise than me. He'll say stuff like that. he's wise in his own way. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I think honestly being raised in the church and so early, just being brought the concepts of like death and Mm -hmm. life and like forgiveness and patience and love and the idea of truth and like there's just so many big concepts there Mm -hmm. and so even if I was brought these concepts and given answers that I don't accept anymore just like the early like processing of those things Mm -hmm. probably benefited me um And I don't know. I've thought about like I'm not itching to have kids, but I would want that for my kids too. But I don't know if I'd want them to go to church. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. I I know what you mean because I'm a, you know, I was raised a, a very lazy Catholic. You know, mm-hmm. it was like uh, we went to church when when we were at grandma's house. Other than that, not too much, and. Um, I had a, uh, my charts told me that I was going to have a very spiritual spring, which just like happened to coincide with a very, uh, like crazy thing that's happening to people. And I realized that I had so much, um, as I was like thinking about, you know, larger concepts of truth that I've never really just had like the, uh, Capacity for I, I realized I think like that I was had a lot of like extra work to do. Mm-hmm. I gotta gotta shed a lot of this because you go to you go to Catholic church you just sit there like really uncomfortably. That's all you do. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, like just the confession element of just like you're innately sinful. Mm-hmm. and you have to confess. Um, I mean, I'm not Catholic, but that always intrigued me. Um, and at one point, I really, like, wanted to do that. Again, as someone who was, like, obsessed with secrets, yeah. um, I really wanted to be the person on the other side of the wall and just have people come to me and, like, tell me their their uh, business. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that a part of growing up is just, like, recognizing... What you learned without trying to, mm-hmm. and you learn so much. Like in the early years, I mean, you you learn an entire language, mm-hmm. and everybody knows that. It's like, what's the like subliminal language that you've learned too? Yeah, because that's something that you can. The way you can choose to learn another language in life, like you can choose to learn new pathways for your thoughts and like, Mm -hmm. but that's way harder to see because it's completely unseen and language use every day. Whereas like (laughs) what's happening in your brain is just like hard to pin down. Um, yeah, I have a lot of friends that are going through that right now and, um, I don't know. It's kind of, it was, I can't like pinpoint Mm -hmm. changes. I guess they happen naturally. Um, Mm -hmm with or without effort, Uh, but effort helps.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, this has been uh, been a lot of fun talking to you. I had so much fun talking to you on the Laura podcast, so I'm so glad that we could connect again.
1: Yeah, I loved doing that just because, like, talking about someone else is honestly even easier than talking about myself. (laughs) But... Yeah, I listened to it and loved it. You did a great job
0: with it too. Thank you so much for that. I'll I'll send you that extra that extra check uh, afterwards. <laughs> um, so so we ha- we have a Patreon uh, Patreon dot slash Better Yet Podcast, and we do a revenue share uh, where we split the money each week between the show, our guests. That's right, we pay our guests to be on this podcast and, uh, and an organization of the guests choosing Lucy, um, would you mind telling us about which, uh, organization we're contributing to today?
1: Yes. Um, you're going to give money to the BTFA collective, which stands for the black trans femmes in the arts collective. Mm -hmm. And I have their mission pulled up. The mission of the BTFA Collective is to connect the community of black trans women and non-binary femmes in the arts to build power among ourselves. Um, And I know that earlier on this year, they were paying bail for black trans people. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, go to their website because there's a lot that they're funneling into. I'm just scrolling right now. It seems like they're connected to the okra project, which is another really great organization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a medical fund here, education foundation. Um, anyways, I just think that they're doing a lot of really incredible stuff.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, we got the link to BTFA collective, which is through the arts business collaborative, um, that's all in the episode notes of the podcast. Um, so, for our Patreon, you can pledge $3 a month, kind of like you're leaving us a tip, or you can pledge $10 a month and people pledging $10 get access to uh, a special treat each week from our guest, Lucy. We got this badass playlist because when we talked on the Laura podcast, I was so ha- I was so happy that i I set you up to just be like, "Hey, punk music, right <laughs> you talk ab- you talk about we we've been getting stomped on for too long,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you dropped vinyl conflict on the show, which was like, Hell, yeah, my friend Chris works at that shop, mm-hmm. and he's the best, so I can only assume that that record store rules it um, does. and we talked about Asian man records, so we got a playlist from Lucy of. What do we got? All the all the shit that you were into back in the day. Yeah,
1: I think genre should die, but punk isn't dead. <laughs> Hell Punk's yeah. Not dead. Um yeah! I feel like also ego should die, and punk sometimes has ego, but mm-hmm. egoless punk—that's like that's the top tier. That's the best. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, my playlist isn't all punk. It's like just bands that I was obsessed with when I was a teen in Richmond. Because I would just go to shows like eight eight shows a week or something.
0: Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. That's over at patreon.com slash better yet podcast. Uh, Lucy, a uh, pleasure as always. Likewise, Tim. Thank you all uh, for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, folks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <And no one laughs> I